This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. we got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, but mainly we're going to be focusing on jealousy. It's a very toxic emotion that I think we can culturally work through. A lot of people theorize that it's uh, been something that's been a little socially constructed and created born out of the value systems of our culture about capitalism and ownership and toxic individualism. And we move into relationships thinking that that means we now have control or ownership over someone. And that's what often leads to a lot of romantic and social jealousy. So we're going to be talking about that for most of the show. Um, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about though that's going on in the news. Um, articles coming out about the fact that some people that had long-standing, ongoing, post COVID symptoms that having gotten vaccinated has made them feel much better, improved, and for some completely eliminated some of the post COVID symptoms. Now that's amazing because for some people they thought as a long hauler with these ongoing symptoms after no longer necessarily coming up positive for having, you know, the, the um, COVID that their symptoms that were lingering endlessly. So Really good news on that front. I think that's phenomenal. Um, interesting, you know, trans news is always phenomenal to me. A lot of people don't report on it, and there's a lot going on that we don't talk about. So there's good stuff, there's bad stuff. Just looking at a heartbreaking story, a teen uh, blinded, made blind by having acid thrown on them because they're trans, because we still live in a transphobic culture. What is so distressing to another person about someone's gender that they need to throw acid in their face. But us non-trans, us cis individuals need to step in and be allies and activists and true feminists and, and handle that. Transphobia is not created or sustained by trans people. It's created and sustained by cis people, non-trans people to center our experiences. And we need to create space for gender exploration and diversity, which is becoming more and more of a norm because it's now People can feel confident in it. People have access to it, resources. People are able to acknowledge it early in life, later in life. Whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. There are people that are living that, that are that, and we have to accommodate what is, not what we want, not what we prefer, and everyone has a right to human rights, whether they're a sex worker, whether they are a trans individual, whether they are gay, whether they are bi, whether they are black, we are diverse, and we need to train each other and our children to be able to encounter diversity. We're not all the same and we don't need to be. We do see color. We do see gender. And while we operate treating people differently and in a hierarchy based on that, we need to dismantle that. And those in positions of power, culturally, systemically, institutionally, need to be a part of that. We got to do better. Uh, good news though, trans, trans individuals in the UK are being crushed by relentless attacks. That's bad. But we're looking at some of the benefits like trans 
men giving birth, trans men being put on birth certificates as fathers, that's the little bit of a light at the end of that really nasty tunnel. But I, I'm gonna keep reporting on trans rights and here's another really good one. Lena Bloom, I'm not familiar with Lena. Lena uh, makes history as the first trans woman of color in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Playboy and, and Penthouse have had trans centerfolds and models and now Sports Illustrated. You're all a little bit late, but we're, we're happy you've arrived at the party. Um, and that's kind of a call out to everyone. Have you ever included trans models, uh, trans panelists, trans teachers? Um, how safe do trans employees or students feel trying to access your classrooms or your sites of employment? I want everyone to look around. Is everyone, is anyone trans working there? Why not? Why have they not felt safe applying or working there? Why have they not felt that they could. Are you not marketing to them? Are you not making it safe for them? Are you not making it accessible? Really look around. Do you have any trans people in positions of power? What's that about? We don't want to just include them and have them there. They don't have power. And we talk about that with, with anti-racism work. Um, do you have anyone of black or of color at all in any position of power? It's not enough to just give them entry. We want to also give them control and some power. That's how we dismantle, right? It's not just about inclusivity. It's also about dismantling and reorganizing those structures. So that's really important. And finally, I wanted to land on something I think is really interesting. Um, I had to get more information, but Instagram is banning adults from being able to DM children. Well, I think it's kind of phenomenal. It's great that there's no need for them to be interacting. And, um, Instagram's gonna be uh, putting this into place. It's gonna be a safety feature, as I call it, for people under eight, 18 to keep them safe. It's gonna ban adults from being able to private message people under 18 who don't follow them back. And if someone over the age of 18 does try to DM a minor who doesn't follow them back, they'll receive a notification telling them that sending a message to that account is not an option. So I love that. They're, they're kind of weighing in, putting some power in there. But also, um, you know, if your teen is on Instagram or, you know, on a cell phone, yeah, parents need to be involved. There are certain people and pages that children aren't meant to follow. Not everyone has to consider children in, in putting their work out there. It's for adults to help regulate and educate children on what's available and what, what they should be accessing, you know? So uh, just be very thoughtful. Not everything on Instagram is for children. It's, it's a page for everyone and adults get to have adult-based only profiles and pages. And we have to talk to children and, and really weigh in on what they're looking at and what they're doing. It's called parenting, you know? So step on in, but I'm glad that Instagram is kind of doing their part. It's important. You know, we want to look out for everyone. I don't want children injured. Technology and social media are supposed to make our lives better and happier. They're not supposed to be a site for problematic behavior or make our lives worse, right? Even adults need to be paying attention to the impact social media has. All right, y'all. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about jealousy. Dun, 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 dun. So stick around for that. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about Jealousy. Uh, it's such an interesting human emotion. Uh, some theorize that it's really um, a socialized emotion. Some theorize that in cultures that are more community-centered, more um, even socialist-ish, communities that aren't very much like our American community, which is very much rooted in uh, individualism, right? We, we call it rugged individualism, neoliberalism. We can call it toxic individualism, capitalism, but just these ideas that it's every man for himself, as they say, and that you're responsible only for you and you need to look out for self. Um, that, that is what leads to jealousy, possession, concepts of ownership. And again, in communities that have more fluid boundaries and 
people do look out for each other and they share and there's more cooperation. Jealousy doesn't exist because everyone feels like they have access to everything. Everyone feels like everything is possible. They don't see others as competition. They don't think they're competing for resources. And that's found its way into dating in the dating world. And that's one of the many things I take issue with in some of those dating shows and in dating advice or in these dating books that they really keep us trapped in this idea of competition, that we're competing for something. And, and the problem with that is a lot of things, uh, but one of them, one of the many, is that it, it's, it's applying business values and the kind of values that we place upon material objects to people and relationships. And that's a problem because you can't own someone, nor should you try. It's actually, in fact, illegal. <laughs> Literally is now illegal to try to have ownership over someone. You're not allowed to own someone or traffic them or make them an indentured slave or servant of some kind. Those things are illegal, but yet we still try. And we're not gonna get into this tonight, but that's what leads to a lot of relationships being unhealthy or toxic. And that's also tied to the idea of toxic monogamy, which is this whole concept that we're competing and we're trying to own, we're trying to get. And you'll hear some of the language, again, mark a, a, a business, economic-based values and perspectives apply to dating and relationships. And it's one of the most toxic things. You know, relationships would fare far better and have far more mental health and happiness if people just let go, right? Let go and really treated their romantic partners the way they treat friends. We don't see friends as a non-renewable resource. We don't see friends as, as, as com competition. And if you do, work hard on removing that as well. You know, generally, most of us see friends as something we're thankful to have in the ways we have them and we're thankful that for the time we get with them, but we don't see what they offer as a, um, in a deprivation-based model. We, we understand that there's abundance, that they can both be a friend to us and a friend to someone else. And we don't feel as though we're missing out or there's loss when they're friending with someone else, right? Again, we, we see friendship and what it provides as a renewable resource, as something that in, in, is bountiful. But somehow, and this is very much rooted in marriage and monogamy, but again, we're not getting into that so much, but jealousy is born out of this idea that I should find a person, make them mine, and then see everything else as a threat to taking that away from me. And I should be trying to hold on tight, set boundaries and rules, and um, really be made to feel bad if I see them offering some of what they offer me to others. And again, we don't do that to family members. We appreciate that you know our parents can have multiple children and, and love them all. And when they're spending time with one child, we don't feel like it's at our loss or deficit or against us. We don't feel threatened. And the same thing with friends. Now, some people live in a different world where they are threatened by their friends' friends or they are threatened or you know jealous of siblings. And that's unfortunate because um, love is something that we can have for multiple people. You know, I, I, I called BS on a meme that went around where some ridiculous uh, psychologist who doesn't understand love put out some meme or, or was quoted in a meme saying, you know, if something along the line, I, basically saying that you can only love one person and that if the person you love, you have love or interest in someone else and it's not real love. And it's like, that's just not true. And that's feeding into this idea. And a lot of dating guides feed into that really framing things in terms of competition. And some of that's born out of a misunderstanding and a misuse of evolutionary psychology, which is all theoretical and really does ignore 
uh, cooperation, which and mutual aid, which actually are what helps survive. Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? cultures and societies survive? The, they we do well with cooperation and mutual aid. In fact, we we have it whether we want to acknowledge it or not. No one's done anything solely on their own. It's literally not possible. Literally anything anyone's achieved has required the help or standing on the shoulders of someone else. Even if it's just that they literally built the company that you're trying to succeed within. Well, they needed to be there and build the company for you to even have that system to succeed in. If you're succeeding in education, great, but your teachers are a part of that, as are the other students that are helping push you forward, as is the institution itself. Like, we, we do nothing on our own. We inherently re you know, rely upon the input of others. Um, but again, and we're going to talk about how to really work on and resolve jealousy in the next few segments, but I just wanted to lay the foundation that it's not something that has to be innate. It's not an emotion that we need to push forward. I think it's something that's evolved, and I think it's born out of the way we run our culture and the way we see relationships and love, and it fails us because it creates a lot of issues. So many relationships end or fall apart or even become violent because of things related to the term jealousy. And that's the problem is the jealousy, not what's happened that's led to the jealousy. It's, it's this term, it's this concept that people feel really entitled to and they really want it accommodated. When someone's jealous of something, they automatically, everyone buys into that. Whatever happened must be bad or wrong or somehow the jealousy has to be honored, but it doesn't always and it's not always coming from a healthy place. And we'd be better served to really sit with this concept and to dismantle it in ourselves and not put it on our partners and make them responsible for it. Um, when we come back, we can talk about what that means and, and how to do that, because I think that this, the resolution of jealousy or working with it at least better is really what's going to enhance many people's lives, mental health, and their relationships. So we come back, we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about jealousy. Ah, yes, that... Uh, emotion <laughs> that causes a lot of destruction in our lives, especially our romantic lives. And we're talking about how um, many people believe and theorize that it's evolved. It's an evolved emotion that exists from a place of deprivation. It comes from a deprivation-based mindset where we don't think that there's an abundance. And in terms of relationships, we run them in a very um, ownership uh, control kind of way where we really think and have this core belief that a relationship, we own someone or we have possession of them. We even use the word my, my husband, my boyfriend. Um, and we have this idea that people are a threat, which is really unfortunate. And what comes out of that is we try to apply a lot of rules, really toxic rules, rules that often are actually emotionally abusive as a way to try to prevent loss. We have so much fear of losing our partners that we don't ever really do the work of learning to trust because that's really the only thing that will make someone feel safe is that you trust this person, that you both trust that they'll tell you what's going on for them and where they are, what they want, what they need. <clears throat> and you, and, and to trust that they'll really value and respect you in the relationship and not be willing to do anything to harm it. But when we don't believe that we try to apply rules and conditions and structures and we police and we go through their phone and we want to know who they're with. And all of that is an attempt to feel in control and safe, but yet, doesn't provide that because none of that gives us an experience of trust. Trust is built by letting go and seeing what this person does. That's what instills trust. Not only 
Otherwise, we're just creating all these new rules and structures, hoping that we'll feel safe within it, knowing that we can be lied to, knowing that there's always other, you know, loopholes and gray areas. So, you know, again, the way we really prevent issues is number one, creating the kind of relationship where it's safe to talk about what's going on. And we talk about that all the time, checking in every couple of months or at least once a year. How's this marriage or relationship feeling? What do we need to do more of or less of? Checking in. But being the kind of person that your partner can go to. If you aren't approachable, if you aren't safe to be gone to, if you aren't someone safe that they can share disappointing, triggering stuff with, they won't. And again, I've shared this story where it's horrifying when no one ever discusses issues and one of them turns to the other in a couple session saying, I'm out, I'm getting divorced, or I've been cheating, or I've been working my way out. Never having given the other person the opportunity to be told that there were issues earlier on so they could be resolved. Sometimes that's because the relationship doesn't have comfort around that kind of intimacy and transparency. And that's really an important part of preventing losing a relationship is making it safe to talk about difficult things so they can be resolved versus thinking we're not going to worry about it. They'll figure them out on their own or this person will never leave. So it's like, am I approachable? And do I approach? Have I helped build a very intimate relationship where we can share things that are hard to hear, but important here so we know what's going on and what our needs are. We can address unmet needs at that point. But we don't do that. We really don't. And then we create a relationship where we don't talk about those things. And sometimes we also help contribute to building a relationship where someone's willing to um, harm it. That's in there as well. And that's what happens part of the, the work on looking at infidelity is what did each partner do that helped create the kind of marriage or relationship where one of them was willing to risk it or harm it? Um, and all of that comes back in what we just talked about. And so that's how we do, uh, you know, that's how we help relationships have long-term happiness and success is making them healthy to be within. But again, jealousy, jealousy evolves out of this idea that we own someone that there's, you know, we have to be threatened. And, uh, the, the work of, um, getting away from that is love. And I, I put a social media post out about it and I'm writing an article tied to this around the toxic forms of monogamy, the toxic forms of monogamy can take. And very much a lot of it's rooted in this concept of what does love really look like? Because we don't really have a good vision or a good model, and we certainly weren't raised with one. Where love is about liberation and freedom. Love is supporting the best in the other. But we run relationships from our comfort. We want to make sure our partner doesn't do anything that makes us feel out of control or unsafe. And so we really center all of our thoughts and behaviors and the rules and structures and the labels all around feeling safety and in control. But that's not what provides that. Going through someone's phone and having their passwords isn't going to make you trust them if you don't. Because here's the other thing. Again, I always say, only be in relationships with people that are worthy of being trusted. And if not, get out. If you're with someone who you can't trust and it's not your stuff, it's that they just do things that are not worthy of trust or care or respect, go. Get out. But staying in it and changing all these rules and getting passwords isn't going to be the way to heal that or help that. But that's what people do. Right? When we're scared. Excuse me. When we're scared, we hold on tighter. But in fact, we need to let go, let the person live, see what they do, and that will let us know what we can expect and who they are. And if we don't like what we're seeing, we need to bring it up or we need to go, right? But trying to control and force isn't the way to do it. Um, we have to be better. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about specific ways to um, bring your jealousy to someone and specific ways to respond if someone's brought jealousy to you because there's a workability in it. 
right? We want to be able to work through. And so we're going to talk about ways to kind of wrap our head around that, ways to work through, because all this is about being better. So again, we're assessing ourselves first. How are we in terms of everything that's being talked about? And then we can look at our partner in the relationship, knowing that change is always possible. If at least one of us is willing to be different, then the other person is in a relationship with someone different, and that naturally shifts everything. But ideally, I want partners to be in a marriage or relationship where they're always open to doing the work, whatever that may be. So when we come back, we're going to actually do some DMs. And then uh, after that, we're going to finish our discussion on jealousy, ways to manage it, ways to be better about it. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Tonight's question says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Vanessa. I think that my girlfriend is cheating on me. Uh-oh. She stays up late on her phone. She goes out for drinks with her coworkers, including the woman I think she's with, and they are always in pictures together. The other woman, when I'm around, won't even look at me and avoids me at all costs. I don't want to look through her phone or anything, but I'm just starting to get suspicious. I do trust her, but I've also been cheated on before, and this is how it started as well. How can I bring this up? You bring it up. <laughs> I want people to talk about things. If you're in a relationship... And your question is, how do I? Um, you're, you're either very anxious with intimacy and closeness and vulnerability, or you're with a partner who is, or maybe you're also in a very unsafe relationship. We have to be able to talk about difficult things. And this is an important one. And I want us to normalize saying things to, to our partners like, hey, I've been feeling very off, or I've been feeling very jealous, or you know, I, I feel insecure. And that's, you own it. Use the I statements and you talk about your feelings. Hey, I wanted to talk to you. And your partner will say, what's up? And you'll say, so I've been feeling very insecure and at times even jealous seeing you spending time with this individual and posting pictures with them. Can we talk about it? That's, that's what you say. Because maybe nothing's wrong. Maybe something is wrong. Maybe your partner is cheating. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But it should be a discussion. It should be a discussion um, to find out more. And possibly your partner will say, yeah, you know, you're right. I have been, thank you for bringing that up. I've been scared to tell you, or I've had a lot of shame about the fact that I've been cheating with this person and let's talk about it and see what, see what that's about. Learn from it, learn about it, you know, but, um, I, to go through their phone again, that implies that they're not going to tell you. And if you're with someone who, if they're cheating, won't tell you if you speak to them about it, well, then you have bigger issues because they're going to be hiding and denying other things. So, you know, again, be with mature people that can have mature adult conversations. And if not, good luck, because it's going to be difficult having other mature, vulnerable conversations. And this is how we practice that. We have to be able to talk about these things because I do want your girlfriend to be able to go for drinks with her friends. That's, that's healthy. You don't need to always be there. I do want your girlfriend to feel as though her thoughts that she's sharing with people on her phone are her private personal business. I do want your, your girlfriend to be able to take photos with her friends while out. This might all be not correct, right? And, and you said you've been cheated on, so you're hyper sensitive and that's okay. You're allowed to be, you've been harmed. And I want your partner though, to be aware of how you feel, not because she's necessarily going to need, you know, need to do anything differently, but because she can maybe reassure you. Maybe sometimes she'll be willing to take you with her or maybe even not, but it's an important conversation that needs to be able to be had. We have to be able to talk about and bring these things up because like I said, how then later do we talk about whatever other important things we need to talk about? So if you're sitting there listening to this saying, well, I could never have that kind of conversation, you need to be able to work towards being able to. And if you say, ha ha, my partner would never come clean. Well, then you have a bigger, you have a bigger problem because you're in a relationship with someone you don't trust and you don't feel will ever be intimate and vulnerable and, and be honest with what's going on. You need to get out. 
you need to get out because we don't want to be in relationships with people we can't have those kinds of conversations with. Without trust and safety, you don't have a relationship. You might be sleeping together, you might be hanging out together, you might be using words like husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, but you don't psychologically or emotionally have a relationship. We only know we have one when we have that trust and we have that safety. And if you can't have vulnerable, intimate, difficult conversations, then you don't have intimacy. Because intimacy is about dropping down into those vulnerable, intimate, difficult conversations. Intimacy is saying, this is really hard to share because we're being so vulnerable or anxious and it's sometimes saying it's gonna be very hard to hear because we're gonna be building even more intimacy and vulnerability with our partner's response or in them just witnessing us expressing ourselves. And um, that's, that's a necessity. That anxiety is what lets us know we're being intimate. That's, that, that's what lets us know we're dropping deeper than the topical and the superficial. You see those couples out at a restaurant and they're sitting in silence. That's because they've most likely covered all the topical, superficial conversations. They've never learned how to drop deeper into how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're dreaming of, what they're fantasizing about. And it never goes any deeper than how's your day? Good, good, okay, cool, right? They haven't practiced how to be more vulnerable because we all live a, a, a very deep life uh, throughout the course of a day. We've encountered, felt, thought, and seen a whole lot. And we want to be able to bring that up and bring that forward. So an, impo- an important learning lesson in this. And, you know, again, synchronicity, for those Jungians out there, synchronicity is a real thing. Meaningful coincidence, not just coincidence, but meaningful coincidence, which means we need to really direct our attention to it. Synchronicity is a wake-up call from the soul, from our, you know, from the universal collective consciousness. Our topic tonight is about jealousy, funny enough. So when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about that and then some more DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we are continuing our discussion of jealousy. Ah, yes, that horrible, horrible human emotion that uh, makes us feel very fragile. But, you know, the work sometimes in our emotional experiences aren't about getting rid of everything. We are so culturally obsessed with quick, easy, fast ways to just get back to life. We want it efficient. We want it simple and easy. It doesn't work that way with emotions or psychology. We, some people try to make it that way. Three easy steps, but everyone's experience is different and everyone's experience will shift even in their own life based on a multitude of other factors. What else is going on in your life for that day, right? And that's gonna, you know, our self-esteem is also, it's a, it's two pieces that we're often battling against, right? When we're feeling jealous about someone we're in a romantic relationship with or otherwise. Um, number one, our own sense of self-worth. That's on the line, you know? Uh, if we had more, a more robust sense of confidence, we wouldn't personalize everything. We'd realize if someone did something that made us jealous, that it wasn't about us, that they saw value in what they did or they weren't thinking, you know, but our self-esteem's called in the line. Do I think it's about whether or not they love me or find me attractive, right? And your confidence is going to determine the answer to that, right? Um, and number two is how much, and it's tied to that, is how much we really trust our partner, because a lot of things that people are jealous of were actually not in anything or they weren't anything to be jealous of, nothing happened at all, or it really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, someone might get jealous that they see their partner turn around twice to notice someone walking by. Well, was that just an impulsive thing where your partner lost themselves? Should that be something you make an issue of? 
and feel not important around? Or are you catastrophizing and dramatizing? I think you're catastrophizing and dramatizing. You know, we're always gonna be oriented towards other attractive or whatever things in the world. Yeah, we wanna be respectful, not make the person we're with uncomfortable. But if you notice your partner noticing someone that wasn't about you, they're having a moment with themselves. You know, we don't wanna make everything an issue. Some people burn people out by making everything an issue. And that's a sign that that person who makes everything an issue or is vulnerable about everything or wounded by everything, they're not ready to be in a relationship. Because being ready to be in a relationship means I'm willing to wholeheartedly take radical responsibility for my emotions and my experience. That doesn't mean we don't hold other people in our lives accountable, but we do hold ourselves accountable to what we're thinking and feeling and what we're expressing. And we first assess the reasonableness in our jealousy. Know that all jealousy is not reasonable. You don't have to honor jealousy because your partner is upset about something. You can say, I care about your feelings and thoughts. That what you're jealous about or upset about is not reasonable to me. I can't honor that. You don't have to agree and honor everything someone's upset about. Some people, it's always something. And they're very fragile. And I want that person who feels that fragile and who's always upset by something to realize it's either my partner doesn't have care and respect for me and I need to go and I'm responsible for going or... It's my internal process where I'm too fragile. I personalize everything. I don't really even have healthy expectations upon my partner because sometimes it's an expectation issue. You believe things should be a certain way that your partner doesn't and because they're not, you get jealous about it. You know, I've talked about this before on the show. Have you and your partner that are monogamous because that's usually the jealousy is usually born out of monogamy, although a lot of healthy, open, and poly couples also experience jealousy. Jealousy is not always pathological. Uh, some of it's understandable, but... Have you and your partner even talked about these expectations that you're holding each other accountable to? Most people haven't. What do you determine to be monogamous? What do you determine to be outside of monogamy? Because we're upset about someone stepping outside that, but maybe we haven't even talked it out. And I want everyone to have a, a, a moment to say whether or not they'll honor that. Some people might say, listen, I will flirt with other people. I'm not gonna do it in front of you when you're around, but I'm gonna feel real free to wink and smile and wave at people or whatever it is. Or hey, honey, I wanna have the kind of relationship where if someone attractive walks by, I don't have to have guilt about noticing, or maybe we could even talk about it. Be like, wow, she or he's really pretty. Like, I want everyone to talk about it. Like what, what, what will work and what will not work. And you both have to agree. It's a contract monogamy. It's not just assumed. And no one's definition is more meaningful or legitimate than the others. Everyone has a right to say what they will or won't do. Some people might say, I still want to be able to sext with someone. And you have to talk that out. And the person who wants less or more restrictive monogamy isn't the healthier, better, or right one. You have to talk it out. You know, there's a lot of real, really wonky, horrible, toxic definitions people have for monogamy, which again is rooted usually in their anxiety and attempts to control. I'm working on an article about toxic forms of monogamy. I'm gonna put it out soon because this, it'll powerfully, I think, kind of illuminate some of the really problematic ways and assumptions that we place upon people. But um, again, it really falls down on you need to be responsible for the impact you're having on someone's life because you're in it. And if you're hyper fragile, threatened by everything, and it's always an issue, your presence in your partner's life is making their life harder and more miserable. Do better or remove yourself. Like we need that kind of responsibility. Am I ready to be brought into someone's life or am I too wounded and fragile? You have a right to love, but you first need to do some work because you don't have a right to bring that trauma and, and negatively impact other people's lives. That's not kind, that's not compassionate, that's not gonna allow for a healthy relationship. That's not gonna allow your partner to live the life they're wanting to live. And so I do want that kind of self-assessment. We should all be doing that, while whether single or not. 
right? What kind of impact am I having? All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what are the specific steps for someone on the receiving end of someone else's jealousy or the person feeling jealous. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And tonight we're talking a lot about jealousy. And uh, we're going to talk about a few ways to respond and receive jealousy. So first, we're going to talk about the how to manage it if you're on the receiving end, meaning your partner has come to you and said, I'm feeling upset or jealous about something. What are some of the things you should do? Well, the global thing we talked about in the last segment is you don't have to, you want to be loving, you want to be open, you want to be compassionate, but you don't have to find everyone's definition of jealousy or what's not okay as reasonable. You have a right to have your own definitions. I want every couple to talk out what they expect, what their definition of monogamy is. But if someone's jealous, you have a right to say like, I, I hear you, I love you, I wanna hear more. But for me, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't sign off on that. I can't say that I won't let that happen again. And then you have a right, if you don't agree, to step in and say, listen, it's important for me to be able to blah, 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 or I will continue to. Horrible example, um, love horrible examples, right, is porn. Um, porn falls under, in the sexual health definition, autonomy. It falls under solo sexuality. It falls under masturbation. That's about someone's relationship to themselves. No one has a right to weigh in on the kind of porn we're looking at. As long as it's legal, it's up to us. It's, it's our relationship to ourselves. Just like no one has a right to tell their partner what kind of music they can listen to when they're not around. They don't have a right to tell them what they can or cannot eat when they're not around. When you're up by yourself, you can eat what you want. You're allowed to watch whatever TV shows you want. You're allowed to read whatever book you want. You're allowed to listen to whatever music you enjoy. You're also allowed to watch whatever porn you want. That is your, that's autonomy. You're allowed to have those boundaries. You're allowed to have that kind of privacy if you want. That is solo sexuality. That is about yourself. If in a monogamous relationship, we're having sex with someone else, your partner is allowed then to weigh in on your partner's sex life. They're allowed to say, hey, I want monogamy. And you're allowed to say, sounds good or sounds bad or whatever it is. They're allowed to weigh in on you know, safer sex practices because they're impacted by that, right? But your solo sexuality is no one else's business. And the reason why I bring that up is some partners, having never talked that out before they decided to get together, because you do need to talk those things out before you make a commitment, later in the relationship, they'll say, well, that's cheating to me. And the other person has a right to say, it's not for me. And so I want to hear more about that. I'm open to hearing about it. I'm sorry you feel bad, but I can't honor that because they're allowed to say porn use for me is private and that's something I'm okay with and comfortable with. And I'm sorry that's hard for you because it's okay to be in a relationship or a marriage where you don't agree on some things, especially when it doesn't necessarily impact the other. Your partner might not like the idea of knowing you watch porn, but they're not harmed by it. They're just not comfortable or agreeing and it's okay to not agree. Right, And so that's an example where you're allowed to say, I can't honor that jealousy, I'm here to hear about it, but I can't honor that. I won't promise that that will be different or change because I'm okay with that. Like you have a right to do that and say that. So again, I want you to show an interest in it. Like, hey, I'm here to hear about it because again, we're adults. No one's making demands, no one's name calling, that's the assumption, we're adults. So yeah, tell me more. You found out I watch porn, it makes you uncomfortable. Okay, tell me more. And the person might say, yeah, you know, because it makes me feel like you don't love me or makes me feel like you're engaging other people and you don't have to agree, but you can still listen and be curious. You can show some compassion and be like, yeah, I can imagine that would be hard. I know why that would be hard, I blah, blah, blah. Or you could say the opposite. This is really great to hear, honey, tell me more because I would never feel that way, you know? So you're showing interest, you're expressing compassion, you're maybe even finding points of validity, points where you agree. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can understand that. I know you just had a baby and you're not feeling great in your body. That's very valid. I can understand where it's hard for you to know that I'm looking at other people's bodies 
You know, you can even normalize some of it. Yeah, I could see where some people might feel that way. Although that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what the majority of people want or feel. You still, everyone has a right to their feelings, right? You don't need to try to change or convince your partner into feeling another way. You don't have to tell them that how they feel is bad or how they feel is wrong. Because again, we're allowed to have disagreements. We're allowed to both go see a movie, walk out of the theater. One of them was like, that was the best movie ever. The other person's like, that was absolutely horrible. And we can then say, now what's for lunch? Or tell me more about why you loved it. Tell me more about why you hated it. Ah, I can see that. Yeah, I still hated it. What's for lunch? And we hold hands and go eat lunch. We are allowed to move forward with disagreement. But a lot of people think in these issues or disagreements that we need to land in agreement or we need to land with resolution. Resolution often means you agree to disagree. We have to have topics where we aren't in perfect alignment. That's not a bad thing. That is part of life. And I think there's also something really powerful. And if someone comes to you saying they feel jealous, to sometimes maybe let that be an indicator that maybe you need to be a little more available, maybe a little more affectionate, maybe remind them how you feel about them. There's nothing wrong with that part to say, hey, just sounds like you're feeling not attractive. It just sounds like you're not feeling loved. Let's go on a date tonight or come here and lay with me. Or I'm glad you brought that up. I've missed you. Let's go be sexual somehow. Like you can use it as a call to action. Not, not to feel bad about what was, but a call to action to realize things aren't necessarily most comfortable for either of you or both of you. And how can I make them feel closer, more cared for, more loved, more attractive? Like step into the solution in that way. You don't have to agree that what created the jealousy was bad or wrong. You're allowed to say, I'm okay with that happening again, but we can use it as a moment where we reinforce how we feel about each other, or you do more of that. Or if you know that that specific behavior that makes them feel jealous is going to occur again, because it's something that you're comfortable with, you, you sandwich it with them feeling really cared for and present and loved, and it softens the blow. Because I want us to consider the impact on our partner when in a relationship of the things we do, yes. But there will be times where it might not be something they want or it might frustrate or disappoint them. But it's important that we do it anyway because it's okay to frustrate, disappoint, or let a partner down. That doesn't mean what we did is bad or wrong. It just means we see, we see it differently. We feel differently. We still do it. There's a lot of things that are gonna come up that fall under that heading. Maybe your partner's not cool with you every Friday going to play poker, but you're like, I get it and I know you don't, but it's important to me and I'm gonna do it anyway. I need a night out with my friends. But knowing so, I'll give you a big kiss before I go and I'll make sure maybe Saturday we spend time together. You know, like Saturday will be our special date day because Friday's the night I go out with my friends. And I know you don't love that, but that's okay. And you expect that partner to be an adult and not text you and punish you for having gone because you are still an autonomous being even while in a relationship. And I think that's lost in some of this. We have this perspective of like never being uncomfortable or upset and anything that upsets us should be, you know, resolved and removed right away. And it's just not really functional or honest. So we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what to do if you're the person who feels jealousy. Not that it's been brought to you, you're on the receiving end, but you're the person feeling jealous. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're finishing out our uh, discussion of jealousy. It's an important one. I think it shows up in all the different relationships we're in. Uh, romantic ones tend to bear the brunt <laughs> of anything that went wrong or bad before. Remember, we always, gosh, the newer relationships uh, have to deal with the wreckage of the ones before. That's why we're trying to be better partners. Now we've been talking about the fact that jealousy is not always reasonable, but nonetheless, if you're on the receiving end of someone bringing their jealousy to you, 
it, it, you know, you want to you want to find points of interest. You want to maybe normalize elements of it that might be or might not be. You want to let someone know that you're here to hear it. Because uh, I want everyone to always communicate. Like we can have these talks. It's not always a, it's not about agreement, right? It's about connecting and being heard, and that should always be the first goal. So how can I let this person know I hear them, I see them? Because often jealousy is rooted in I just don't feel cared for. I don't feel important. And so sometimes we can resolve it by just then in the discussion about the jealousy, letting them know I care for them and I hear them. And then it sometimes just disarms what was the trigger and even removes it altogether, right? So a couple of things. We're now talking about if you're the person who's feeling jealous. First thing I always want to remind everyone is don't always trust. Don't always trust it. Not every feeling is a fact. Just because you feel jealous or you feel bad or you feel unheard doesn't necessarily mean you were right? So it's not that I want us to question our reality, but it's, I want us to question our reality. You want to be very thoughtful about also acting from these feelings, right? So they're tied together. Just because you feel jealous doesn't necessarily mean something happened that's worthy of creating jealousy. But, but either way, as we're holding loose, we're holding our feelings loosely. Um, you don't want to always act from it. We want to get really good at what we call boundaries and impulse control and also regulation, which means you say to yourself sometimes, I feel really jealous or activated right now, and I know that's never the place from which to like have a conversation or resolve an issue, and so I'm gonna go regulate. I'm gonna go soothe myself. I'm gonna calm down, process my feelings a little bit more. Never, ever, ever when you're lost in an emotion, when you're flooded by an emotion, should you ever try to work on it, discuss it, or dismantle it. Like 99.9% of the time, it's something that we don't need to talk about right now. We can also, we can come back to it. We might be uncomfortable if we're jealous about something, but if you're out at a dinner and something happens that makes you jealous and you're really flooded by it, yeah, hang tight. I want you to stay connected to the person in front of you that you care about because we're inherently in this whole discussion assuming it's someone you care about and trust and you come back to it because you don't need to ruin the whole night over that one event, which you're feeling flooded and overwhelmed by. So you're gonna take some time to calm down and process, stay connected, stay in the moment, come back to it. Sometimes it's the best thing to do, process with yourself and come back. Other times we can't. And in which case, still walk yourself through it in a very self-soothing way. Listen, I need to talk to you about something that just happened. I don't necessarily 100% know how I feel about it. Right now I'm feeling really uncomfortable and I'm feeling really jealous of what happened. Can we talk about it? Notice the tone and the word I used, a little regulatory. And then the person on the receiving end, in you being safe to be engaged, might say, great, let's talk about it. What just happened and how do you feel? And then we can start to unpack it because we're on the same team, we're on the same side. No one's an enemy, right? So we're, we're trying to really just hold the feelings lighter. We're being very thoughtful not to just act them out, right? We're trying to calm down. We're still staying vulnerable though right? We're letting them know how we think and we feel. And we're expressing it in a way that, that they can hear it, you know, because we're, we're talking to someone that we do trust or we love. And if not, we have a whole different scenario and a whole larger problem because all this is done within the context of someone that we know does love us and that we do trust. And if not, that's where the work has to be before we even worry about the jealousy. How is it that I'm in and continue to be in a relationship with someone that I don't feel like I can trust or loves me? And that would mean I'm going to always feel jealous or there's going to be a lot of moments to trigger that. And so that's why you have to get to the core. But assuming that that's all there, we're just dealing with these one-offs. And often us being made jealous is us saying, I wonder if I'm desired or loved. And I want you to say to yourself, do I honestly believe that they don't love me? And most of the time you'd be like, no, I know they do. And so sometimes we just let it go. I've been in those moments where I was like, wow, I, didn't, I never heard back, right? And I sent a text saying, can you give me a call? 
And I'm like, I'm feeling really bad. How am I feeling? And I process it. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling ignored. I'm not feeling important. I'll say to myself, but do you really believe that you're not important? And the most recent time that happened, I said to myself, no, I know that I am. And I have a lot of evidence that I am. So it's not about that. So I'm not going to make it about that. And here's the magical other perspective, the magical question that we all need to bring in when our friend forgets our birthday or our partner lets us down or whatever it is. We always have to say, we have to always think outside of ourselves and say, what might be going on in their life? What might be happening that made them not able to get to my party? What might be going on in their life that it wasn't able to be a priority because they're living their life and maybe something that was a true priority for them came up because my birthday shouldn't be their number one priority, right? What might be going on in this other person's life? What might've happened that's made them not able to show up or respond in the way I wanted? It's called thinking outside yourself. It's called not being self-centered. Other people have lives that are just as important and often they're living from what's important or going on for them. And we can't be prioritized, right? Our priorities aren't always gonna be theirs. And so we always wanna ask that though. How might they have seen this situation? How might they have read it? What, they, what might they be thinking, you know? We don't, we don't want them to always honor our jealousy and just like that, we don't always wanna honor our own because sometimes it is unrealistic or unreasonable. You know, that's the work we got to do. All right, y'all, that is that. So coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveland IG page in the DMs. Any question, we're always here to answer them. And uh, if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com, scrolling on down, clicking on my face, and there's past episodes. But uh, stick around. When we come back, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, tonight's DM. Oh, we are still in the pandemic, apparently. Hey, Dr. Chris, I wanted to get your opinion on spring break and summer travel. Do you think it's safe? I know before, over the holidays, you gave some advice and tips. Have those changed? Thank you. Ah, nah, I don't think it's safe. I know, I'm probably breaking a lot of hearts out there. Here's why. Um, You know, at least here in America, Biden's claiming that we're all going to be vaccinated or actually, well, I don't know if that number's changed. It's probably going to change, but uh, he's claiming it's going to happen real freaking soon. But um, it doesn't necessarily 100% matter because where are you traveling to? Where are you going? Uh, A lot of countries are very, very, very far behind. Ireland, uh, Canada, these are places that haven't really had a very adequate, fast response to how to get the vaccines out there or even to the vaccination supply. So it really depends on where you're going. But more importantly, even if you're going somewhere in the US where we're doing decent, um, people might be coming in and joining us from other countries. And remember, if you got the Johnson Johnson vaccine, that's only 66% effective. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna are about 96%. So you can still get infected and transmit it to someone else and they're not 100% effective, still necessary. Um, I won't be going anywhere that involves getting on an airplane or being around large crowds of people, especially not indoors, till at least the fall, if not next year. Am I being really cautious? Yeah, yeah, I am, because I don't want to impact others and I don't want to get sick. Um, If you really, really feel like, you know, listen, I've been staying home, I've been following the regulations, I'm really tired, go somewhere outdoors, go somewhere that doesn't involve a crowd. Get your friends together that that have been vaccinated and you're supposedly safe if you gather in small numbers and everyone's vaccinated, it's outdoors, still keep some space, you're good. 
go camping, go hiking, go to the beach. But I wouldn't go to those big crowded spring break destinations. I don't recommend it. People come in from other states where they're not getting vaccinated and they're anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers and they might have asymptomatic infections that they can spread around. I just think it's too soon in a risk. I understand that everyone's getting stir crazy. I understand that everyone's tired. I understand that everyone's ready to get out there. Trust me. I feel you. I'm someone who loves to travel and I will not be traveling anytime, at least before the fall. Cause I'm not trying to get anything or pass anything. So here's the thing. I know we went through one other. We got to do it one more time. We want our holidays this fall, this winter. This is the way we do it. Hang in there. But again, like I said, there are things you can do. Go on a road trip, you know, outdoorsy stuff. But um, I wouldn't be going indoor to an event. I wouldn't be getting on an airplane for a long period of time. And I absolutely wouldn't be at a crowded beach. But that's me. Everyone has to decide the you know level of risk they're willing to take. But like I said, there are tons of cities and states that are maskless and people will not be getting vaccinated. What do you bring at home? Who do you live with? Who do you come in contact with? These are the kinds of things you got to worry about, you know? I know a ton of people here that aren't even close to getting vaccinated. They haven't been able to find an appointment. That means they are months out, months out because it doesn't kick in until about a month after the second one, which is about a month after the first one. You know what I mean? So that's already two months once you get that process started. So I don't know. You got to decide, but I'm not, you know, as a public health professional, I'm telling people not to do it. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? All right, y'all, that is our DM. If you got a DM for us, though, the DMs are always open. You can drop them in the IG page in the DMs, right? See how easy that works? We got we got you covered. Anything you want to ask, drop it in there. Also, if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going to wearechannelq.com, scrolling down, clicking on my face, and there's all the past episodes. Check them out, post them, share them, binge them, enjoy them. And also, um, self-care, y'all. Come on, self-care. What have you done today? It's not too late. Make sure you fill it up in tomorrow, right? We're doing joy and pleasure joy and pleasure. Every day we get some joy and pleasure. What have you done? What are you going to do? Also rest. Sleep is not enough, although sleep is very important, but we want to make sure we're getting that sleep. But tomorrow's show, it's going to be great. We're going to be doing a little couples therapy, talking about ways that the uh, pandemic has impacted our libidos because it absolutely has for a multitude of reasons. But also we're going to just be talking about relationships in general, you know, bring that back. So stick around for that. It's going to be a good one. Um, and also I'm going to be starting, uh, opening the show with a little bit of a COVID update. So we got you covered in that way. But, um, like I said, check out some past episodes. If you got a DM for us, whatever you're thinking about, someone else might be struggling with the same issue. So drop it in our, on our page as always y'all. Thanks for hanging out and for supporting y'all have a beautiful rest of your night and, uh, see you tomorrow.